0: Welcome to the Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. We get an update on our war against antibiotic resistant bacteria. Now the arms race between antibiotic resistant bacteria and antibiotics developers is ongoing and they're having to cast their net far and wider, including turning our eyes to old ancient treatments and mysterious soil, as well as venom from insects, and even new ways of trapping bacteria in cages. This week, the arms race against bacteria continues. The fight against antibiotic-resistant bacteria, otherwise known as superbugs. Bugs Bugs that are resistant to most treatments and antibiotics, such as MRSA. There are a serious problem that we've talked about a number of times here on The Grange Point. And the reason why we keep focusing on it is that it's a very, very active area of research. And it's a very, very serious issue. The World Health Organization categorizes antibiotic resistance as one of the biggest threats to global health, food security and development today. And according to estimates by recent research, you know, antibiotic resistant superbugs could kill up to 1.3 million people in Europe by 2050. Which is a big deal antibiotics have been one of the major developments in modern medicine that has enabled the field of medicine to really establish and prosper and support large growths of population if you remove that well life becomes a lot more difficult and being a doctor certainly does as well but it also impacts things like farming food production and general health security but if we take the clock back not just a hundred years or a thousand years medicine relied on what they knew at the time to try and treat illnesses. If you were suffering from a strange condition, a pain in your neck or your tooth, if you were living thousands of years ago, depending on the community that you're living in, you would have consulted your local shaman or medicine man or woman or person who was responsible for treatments. In Celtic society, this role fell to the Druids, who used a combination of herbal remedies, spiritualism, and a number of other things to provide pain relief and also treatment to their patients. Now modern medicine sort of passes this off as uh, something that is to be left in the dark ages, figuratively and literally, but it is an area where now drug researchers are turning more and more to. Now there is an old saying that what is a herbal remedy or a folk medicine or an alternative medicine that's been proven time and time and again to, to work in a variety of conditions. Well, that is what we call medicine because it's out of those basis where all of modern medicine has evolved from. But recent research coming out of Swansea University has examined a very odd piece of medical history from around 1500 years ago. And, and from this, they've identified not only what these ancient druids in Ireland were using but also some amazing properties of this soil which the druids used in the past that could help us tackle one of the biggest global health problems today. Now researchers with a large multinational team working from a number of universities got together and examined the soil from an area called Fermanaga in Northern Ireland, which is also known as the Boho Highlands. Now what's interesting about this area is it's got a particularly alkaline grassland, and the soil, for thousands of years, has been reputed to have healing properties. The Druids from ancient times and the Neolithic period over 4,000 years ago, would take small amounts of this soil, wrap it up in a cotton cloth, and use it to heal many ailments, including toothache, throat, and neck infections. So how and why was that any good? And that's exactly the kind of question that people like Professor Paul Dyson of Swansea University Medical School have been digging in to try and understand. And they tackled this problem by examining just what was going on both in the chemical and microbiological level of the soil in question. Now, this kind of work is actually called ethnopharmacology. And it's where we take folk remedies and medicines and say, okay, is there anything of interest here that we could refine and adapt to help us tackle antibiotic-resistant bacteria? And the reason why we do that is that traditional medicine, it goes down to certain pathways or areas of treatments. And to find truly new and novel ones that we don't have resistance to, you have to sort of widen the net. And that's where ethnopharmacology comes in. And they're looking for places where well-known antibiotic producers like streptomyces are found. So they drew on the support in this research of Dr. Jerry Quinn, who actually lived in Boho, County Fermil, who had been aware for many years, obviously, of the healing claimed powers of this soil. So to investigate it, they actually took this soil, tried to refine the strain of streptomyces that was present in this soil and tested it against six known multi-resistant pathogens identified by the World Health Organization as being responsible for a lot of dangerous infections, such as venomycin-resistant entericosis fasim or VRE, Methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, which is MRSA, and a number of other different types of pneumonias and other bacteria-resistant Carbonycephems. And when they did these tests, they found that uh, this newly identified strain of streptomyces present in this soil from BOHO in Catifema actually works quite effectively against gram-positive and gram-negative bacteria, which basically means the different types of cell walls present in the bacteria. Now it's not clear which part of this newly discovered streptomyces actually prevents the growth of bacteria but it's actually very very effective in doing so it's effective against four of the top six pathogens which isn't to current antibiotics and that's just without substantive refinement and work now what they can do now is take this concentrate it try and purify it out the strain in particular and then maybe adapt and expand on this strain to give a broad-spectrum multi-resistant antibiotic, new antibiotic, which the world is in desperately short supply of. So this is some great work published recently in the journal Frontiers in Microbiology, which involved Lucina Terra, Paul Dyson, Matthew Hitchens, Liam Thomas, Alaya Alabadamid, Ibrahim Bannat, Salvatore Gaze, Deseja Vuklia, Paul Fassi, Louis W. Francis, and Jerry A. Quinn. And it goes to show the power of using ethnopharmacological research to identify new areas where we can target conditions and fight back against antibiotic resistant bacteria. Another important area of the arms race against superbugs is trying to understand the exact mechanisms that are taking place inside a cell when bacteria are fought by your own immune system, and also how the bacteria manages to fight back against that. The better a picture we can get on the battle taking place, the better idea we can, can develop in terms of treatment ideas and vectors. So understanding the strategies in place and used by both the bacteria and the microbes fighting back, is incredibly important. And that's what a research team led by the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine have been investigating, including lead author Professor Sergio Masto, along with fellow co-author researchers like Sina Krowaski and others. Now, what they've been trying to get a better picture of is turn some pretty powerful microscopes to try and image the individual human cells during the full life cycle of infection all the way down to a single bacteria cell to isolate and understand exactly what is going on. And when they've done this, they've made a pretty interesting discovery. What they've found is, well, the proteins inside your body that are fighting back can detect where bacteria are and where they'll split up to spread and divide, and basically capture it in a massive cage-like structure, preventing that bacteria from spreading through your body and leading to an out-of-control infection. That is a pretty interesting example of how your body fights back. Now the type of bacteria they were looking at is called Shigella. It's a human gut pathogen which affects more than 150 million people globally. Estimated by the World Health Organization to cause around 500,000 deaths a year. So it's no joke And due to the increasing number of drug-resistant strains, Shigella is getting classified as one of the superbugs which require a priority response by the World Health Organization. Now, what the research team did is they focused on the individual cells. Now, all the way back in 2010, researchers first observed what they call these septum cages, the septum protein, and they noticed that they can entrap Shigella, which is pretty interesting. Because if you can find a way to trap and isolate a bacteria, well, you can stop the infection from spreading without actually needing to kill it. You just basically stop it from doing anything. It was, what happened to that entrapped bacteria was mostly unknown. We, we knew that it could possibly be trapped. We didn't know what happened next. And therefore, what the research team really needed to identify is they need to find out how exactly this mechanism worked and what was going on if they had wanted any hope of developing and making a therapeutic treatment out of this discovery. Now, what they found out is that this septum protein actually develops a cage that seems to actively recognise which bacteria cells are currently undergoing division, which basically is their reproduction process, and whether it's microbial resistant or not. So they tuned in their high-resolution moscopes with state-of-the-art cameras, and they found that once a piece of bacteria of the Shigella strain was trapped inside one of these septum cages, 93% of that bacteria will never divide again because the cell just basically starts to eat itself rather than going outside. It can't escape and without any other sources of food, it just has to basically self-consume, which they call autophagy, which is very, very interesting. But all of this is only possible because of cutting-edge microscope techniques, which have only really started to be developed in the last few years, which means now we can see the exact battle taking place. With the septums locking the Shigella bacteria inside a cage, you can see that we now have a pretty powerful natural weapon to fight against antimicrobial resistance, particularly of this particular strain. Now, you can use these protein cells to act as both Hostile sensors to try and identify if bacteria is currently undergoing the division process, but you can also use it as a treatment process to isolate and cordon off and prevent it from spreading, which means you get two things for the price of one. And that technique could work for other strains of bacteria, not just Shigella. It could work on things like Staphylococcus and Pseudoderminus, which are both pretty deadly pathogens. Now, of course, this needs to be refined specifically in human testing to get a better idea Um, of how it could be applied and refined but it shows a great new way of fighting back against bacteria instead of just relying on a super powerful treatment that could basically kill all the bacteria instead you can sort of trap them in place and starve them to death and that's another tool in our arsenal in the war against antimicrobial resistant bacteria So when I mentioned before, we're casting our net far and wide to try and find new treatments to fight back against these superbugs. One of the areas of research is the venom of insects. And the reason why we're so keen on them is that we know that the venom of insects, such as wasps and bees, is full of a whole variety of interesting and novel compounds that can kill bacteria. Now, there's a big problem with doing that. Aside from the fact that you have to milk and and get the venom out of a whole bunch of bees and wasps to study, well, not only that part is difficult, but the problem with any bee or wasp venom is that, well, those compounds that kill bacteria tend to also be pretty toxic for humans. It's one of the reasons why they sting, which would mean it's pretty much impossible to use just the straight venom as it is to work as a treatment in antibiotic drugs. So what to do? Well, a group of researchers from Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, have recently published in the journal Nature Communications Biology an outline of a concept which, through careful study and detailed analysis, they've managed to find a way to take some of that very powerful venom of these insects and turn them into an antibiotic-resistant bacteria-fighting machine. And this research was done by Researchers, including Cesar de la Fuentes Nunes, a postdoc at MIT, along with Timothy Liu, associate professor of electrical engineering and computer science, Vanny Oliveira, an associate professor at the Federal University of ABC in Brazil, Carlos Marcelo de Torres, who is also a visiting student from Brazil to MIT. They worked together and identified, in particular, the venom found in a South American wasp. And They took this venom and created a variant of it that doesn't actually have any of the peptides that are toxic to humans, but non-toxic or dangerous for bacteria. So by removing the, the toxic elements for humans and leaving just the potent antibacterial elements, they created a pretty powerful antibiotic. And they had to try this in mice. So what they found is that their strongest peptide could completely eliminate a strain of Pseudomonas aeruginosa which is one type of bacteria that causes respiratory and other infections, which at the moment is most resistant to most antibiotics. They turn this venom into an actual antibiotic that could kill most of that particular bacterial strain. And this part is pretty exciting. Now, we also produce peptides that can kill bacteria. That's kind of how a lot of immune response works, including inside humans. But to keep and identify new peptides that can make into potentially new drugs, well, you have to go looking in these weird places. The wasp in question is known as Polybia pulsilista. And the peptide is small. It's only 12 amino acids long, which is relatively small for a peptide. And that means it would be feasible to create a whole variety of variations on it as well, pretty quickly and efficiently, and make them less and less harmful to humans, but more and more damaging to bacteria. You can basically mutate it really easily given its small size and then from there you can figure out which of the building blocks inside the amino acid or the peptide is actually doing the antimicrobial activity keep those and find the other ones that are making the toxic elements dangerous for humans and take now the way in which this peptide works to kill microbes is it disrupts the bacterial cell membranes it basically punches through them and because the peptide itself has this helical-type structure, it interacts with the cell malbones, rupturing them, and basically damaging the bacteria to the point that it can't reproduce. This is different to locking in a cage and starving it or just blowing it out of the water. Well, this is another type of technique that is quite effective. So they based the researchers made a few dozen variants of the original peptide, and they could see how well it changed. And they tested this against seven strains of bacteria and two fungal infection types to see if it made any difference to them as well. It's a pretty interesting area of research and identifying a new peptide like this is a great way of expanding the type of antibiotics we can develop. As I said before, coming up with new and newer weapons we can use in our arsenal is incredibly important, which means we need to cast our net wider and wider, including to stuff that was off limits because of its toxicity before just means you need to find parts of it you can keep and get rid of that toxic element. And that is what this great research by people such as César de la Fuentes Núñez have been doing. they been really trying to isolate the helpful parts of these venomous peptides. Some great work being done at MIT and the Federal University of ABC in Brazil. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Great an trick. Treat- to taking the venom of wasps, and even trapping bacteria inside cages, we found out about researchers turning to new areas to uncover new antibiotics. Our ending theme was composed by Audionatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.